Tech Talk with Matthew Dickerson. Matthew Dickerson. Tech, 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 tech talk. Tech, 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 tech talk. Sit back and relax. It's time to talk technology. Hello, all you 21st century adventurers. Congratulations on surviving yet another Christmas New Year period, and congratulations on selecting us again here at Tech Talk with Matthew Dickerson. We're going to dive into the next 45 minutes of the new year with a bunch of gadgetry to keep you alive and well and entertained and, well, charcoal-free. And here to tell us what I mean by all of that is our very own tech expert. It's a freshly washed Matthew Dickerson, and he's come straight from the test cricket at the SCG. Matt, you've got that I've-been-to-the-members stand glow about you today. Except we didn't quite get a result, James. Mm. We were pushing there, but <laughs> that little old rain got in the road. Surely they can put a lid over the SCG well by washed. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, very interesting, and we are at Season 3, James. Episode 2, I'm calling this. Last week, we had the best of from 2022. So that was, it must have been hard to choose from. It was, actually. It was hard to get it down. I got it into the top 25, the 25 most popular, most popular episodes. Ones, yeah. yep. right. So, we got that. So, that's Season 3, Episode 1. So, we're already in Episode 2, James, of Season 3. It's happening <laughs> He's getting away from us. <laughs> Tried Christmas before we know it. <laughs> but it, it has been interesting, just feedback from people and things that are changing so quickly and the new world that we live in now. And it really struck me the other day, I've got another Tesla on order for one of my staff and it's a whole new process you have for ordering a car these days. Mm. You don't walk into a car dealership and look at the cars and kick some tyres. Well, and there are a lot of people who still want to do that. Well, And I was one of them until <laughs> about September of last year. Yeah. You're right. There are some people who still do that. There are some car manufacturers who still do that and still expect you to do that. But, of course, there are other car manufacturers. The new wave, the whole paradigm shift that we're moving through with car ownership and car purchasing, where you just look at the specs online and click, 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 and put your deposit down and away you go. So mm. I did that a few months ago for, again, this new Tesla for one of our staff members. But I got an email the other day that just shows me how much the world has changed. Mm. I'd agreed to a price back a few months into, well, before the end of last year. As you do, you're choosing to buy something. Here's how much we're going to charge you for it. I'm prepared to pay that much. End of story. You put your deposit down. When you receive the goods, you pay for it all before you receive the goods. Just before that, you pay for it. That seems fair and reasonable, a normal transaction. But I got an email last week from Tesla and they said... Hang on, good news or bad news? Well, <laughs> you tell me. It said, <laughs> your new Tesla is almost ready to be shipped. And keep in mind, when they say shipped out to you, they literally mean put on a... They put it on a truck and they'll drive it to your front door. That's right. So no going to a car dealership awesome, to pick it folks, up. It's awesome, folks, when you see that truck <laughs> roll. So like that's always... A little puppy dog bouncing around. That's always interesting. So that you do get the car with very few kilometres on it as well because it's yeah. actually been put on the back of a truck. So they drop it off to you. But they said, by the way, we've improved some of our production techniques and we're moving ahead in the way we do things. So it's actually a bit cheaper. So that last what? invoice we gave you, please don't pay that. We're just about ready to deliver to you. Here's your new invoice. And it was about $1,000 cheaper. Oh. <laughs> what company does that? Yeah, what what organisation wow. does that? Surely most would just say, oh, by the way, good prices have gone down. They right. agreed to that price, mm. so they were happy to pay that price. So be it. But mm. no, they said, we haven't delivered it to you yet, so we'll charge you that. Now, 
the thing is that it might also go the other way. I'm not sure. Maybe if you agree to that price and then something's gone up, some materials have gone up in price, maybe they would say, by the way, here's your new price. I don't want to go down that path. But for this one, I think that's just incredible. It's a whole well, new world. I wonder if they would do that. Uh, yeah, anyway, look, I was just thinking, uh, the first thing that came to my mind was when the Reserve Bank announces that the interest rates have dropped, I, my experience with banks, and I've got experience with multiple banks, it's always a while before <laughs> you get that letter or that email saying, oh, look, yeah, we've got to drop your variable rate on your loan, um, so uh, yeah, you're going to have to pay less to us. They, they always take their time with that. However, <laughs> when the interest rates go up, you get the mail the next day saying, oh, I'm really sorry, sir. Your interest rates went up as of midnight last night. Uh, <laughs> so you're yeah. right. Same happens with petrol well, prices in those old days when you used to have to buy petrol. Then it seems like when the price of oil goes up around the world, mm. the price of the mouth <laughs> has gone up instantly. And the other way, yeah. they go, oh, well, we've still got the petrol in our tanks at the old price. So we've got to use up those reserves first before we get to it. Well, no secret. I'm a fan of Tesla. You're a fan of Tesla. Well done, Tesla, on um, on contacting you and giving you $1,000 off. Yeah, yeah, it just seems incredible, doesn't it? But that's the new world we live in, ordering cars online, having it delivered to your front door, having price drops come through and pay that new price. This is a whole thing where mm. the new car manufacturers, this is what they're doing. They're, they're treating it like a little online transaction like a pair of shoes or a new phone that you buy, but it's a car. Mm. And the traditional car manufacturers have got a long way to go to catch up. And do you know what? I was in Melbourne just recently um, and we were at uh, a couple of different shopping centres. And in those shopping centres, and, and people who live in the city go, well, duh, yeah, of course, there was a shop for Tesla. There was a shop for another brand, Jesna. Jesna, uh, what am I saying? Genesis. Let me put my teeth back in. Genesis is another brand of electric car and Polestar. And these were just in a normal sized shop, mm. right? So they've got these cars there. You can go in there, try them out. And obviously you're not driving out the front door because you're two, three floors up. But um, yeah, and the display was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and normally they've got some of those cars in the car parking lot and so you can go and take it for a test drive from the parking lot. But you're right, they're making it they're more... Operating out of shopping centres, That's right. not car dealerships. That's right, making it a mainstream purchase that you just make, as I say, you're going to buy a new dress. One of these to go, please, sir. That's right, some some avocados from your supermarket, and by the way, I'll pick up a Tesla as well. Pick up my EV. So it's quite incredible. But this is the world we're moving into, it's we've awesome. moved into, and it's up to some of those traditional car manufacturers who have the ability to produce volume. It's up to them to say this is the world that people are moving to and there are a lot of people out there that want this world. Mm. And uh, what better way to dive into 2023 than with a story straight from the toilet, folks? We're all about health and checking in on yourself here at Tech Talk. And if there's one way to get a good idea of what's happening on your insides, it's all about reading your toilet business. Now, Withings, who are better known for their line of smartwatches, have a device that you can drop right in the toot and it'll give you a readout on your urine sample straight away. Matt, I haven't used the word toot for about 42 years. <laughs> and in 2023, I think I'm bringing it back. But more importantly, how good is this little PP reader? Well, it's quite incredible. We did talk about the fact that last year, I believed health products was the new adventurous area where technology providers were really trying to explore. Mm. There are so many areas where technology, they're struggling to find new things to come up with. But health seems to be one of those areas where there, it seems like there's a whole range of areas where potentially 
They can make a lot of money. There's new products to come out with. And this is just one of these. Now, this and was and a, none of them are saying, look, we're going to take the place of a doctor. No. Uh, this is just giving people a heads up that maybe you'd want to go and see a doctor. Maybe you should keep an eye on a few things and people don't like to, in particular males, are terrible at going to the mm. doctor. They've got some problem that they know is there and they just think they'll put it off and put it off. But if they get some sort of indication using technology about exactly what the problem is or how bad the problem is or how you could fix that problem, then I think it'll actually increase the number of people who go to the doctor mm. for legitimate reasons. And this is another one of those things. Now, this is from CS, the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. And I've got a couple of stories from CS. I don't like to do a lot of stories from CS because sometimes they end up in mainstream TV, mainstream stories, and I try and find the stories that aren't mainstream. Uh, so doesn't love a bit of obscurity? Yeah, and I think the stories that we try and find are things that are probably not happening today but are happening in six months, 12 months, a few years' time, and mainstream doesn't seem to care too much about some of those stories. But this mm. was one that was at CES, and I have seen it featured on a few mainstream events or TVs and shows, but it is quite incredible. We've talked before about some toilets that you can buy, and in Japan they seem to have a few where it can do some analysis of your waste products to see what your health looks like. That's expensive though. You're paying 10, 20 grand for a new toilet. This is something where they say, don't go and buy a whole new toilet. It's a bit like the little cleaning fluids that you hang in your toilet, mm. you know, a little blue right. fluid that goes in your toilet that when you flush the toilet, sends that blue around and makes it all look nice and shiny and clean. This hangs in the toilet in a similar way. Gives you something to aim at. It gives you something to aim at if you're a male. Right, exactly okay. right. <laughs> so you can see your kids absolutely aiming for it and getting it. And based on that, it can then give you information and feeds it back. Now, it does have a consumable in there. It does have a replaceable cartridge. So you put the replaceable cartridge in. Mm, don't know how much fun that sounds like. I'm sure they've got a way to do it. Where it doesn't you get a handy glove that comes in the kit. Maybe it comes yeah. with that. But you replace the cartridge. You can use a cartridge. And then, obviously, you come in, you peanut. it. So it's not something you might use every time you go to the toilet, but... Maybe once a day, maybe once a week. But it gives you that information. It obviously feeds that information back to an app. You can have that app differentiate amongst different people. So it's not like, oh, yesterday, James, you had prostate cancer and now your son's just gone to the toilet and he doesn't have prostate cancer anymore. It actually <laughs> differentiates and says, no, I know this is this particular person and another person when that information comes through on the app, obviously. So it's actually quite a good way to get some information about what's happening inside your body. And urinalysis is obviously quite a good way. We can get lots of information. Mm. I'm not just talking about drug cheats and Tour de France here. I'm talking about a whole range of different information you can get from that. Now, as with so many of these things, getting some approvals by the big organisations, the government organisations, to say this is safe is one of the things that isn't quite there yet. Now, it's not as if this is going to harm your health, mm. but, for example, the FDA hasn't cleared this yet as giving accurate information. So if you yeah. used it, you might say, well, I know I haven't got FDA clearance for this. I know the information mightn't be 100% accurate, but, look, I'll use it and see what happens, and then, oh, wait, I've been telling me something isn't quite right, I can go and see a doctor and get that accurate information. Yeah, so it could be an issue with the amount of times that it gives you an accurate readout, and you might only have you know, 60% ac um, accuracy or whatever. So. And that's the sort of thing that the FDA is doing tests for at the moment. How long before it would have some FDA clearance? That's the million-dollar question. Normally, when you submit things to the FDA, they want to do some tests on them. They can take months maybe sometimes mm. they can take years it just depends on how satisfied they are with it and how satisfied they are with all the research that's already been done so they might look at it and say we're satisfied that you've done all the work you need to do on this and let us do a few more tests to just check that 
done. Or, no, we're not satisfied that you've tested this, this and this. Go back and do some more testing on that. Do your R&D a bit better. Come back and give it to us. So there's no definitive time frame on how long. But these are the sort of things that I can see. And I can see new companies popping up, James, that will have a focus on just technology and our health mm-hmm. and really trying to work out ways that we can better monitor a whole range of things in health. But this is an interesting one. It's called the U-Scan. It hangs in your toilet. You urinate on it and it gives you a whole range of information about your body from based on that urine. Christmas 2023. There we go. In the age of MasterChef and My Kitchen Rules and every other variant of cooking show on the reality show market, there's a lot of pressure to become a master in the kitchen. But burning food, folks, it still happens. Well, I assume it still happens, though I've never seen it in my kitchen because I'm just too good at it. And so novices need every bit of help that they can get. Samsung have come to the rescue and will hopefully reduce kitchen catastrophes from here on in with their new breed of oven that'll warn you before the food begins to burn. Matt, looks like charcoal is off the menu. No, that's disappointing, isn't it? It's getting to the stage where it's so easy to cook now that maybe even I could cook, James, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So this concept here has got a few components to it. The first thing it's got is some artificial intelligence built into it. You put a dish in the oven, it immediately recognises up to 80 dishes but it will build on that because it's artificial intelligence. It's going to work out better That's things. It's job. That's its job to keep learning. So immediately you put it in 80 different dishes. It then says, oh, I recognise this lasagna you've just put in, James. You need to cook that at 210 degrees Celsius. That's my recommendation. So straight away, wow. you're getting a bit of help on the temperature you should have your oven at. That's great. Then it monitors that, tells you how long it should be in there for, but it keeps monitoring with cameras also by observing what's happening in terms of the the chemicals that are produced inside the oven to say, "Mm, I said 30 minutes. It seems to have been in 35 minutes now, James. I'm going to give you some alarms to say, maybe you're burning your lasagna. (laughs) Pull it out now so you don't end up with that charcoal lasagna or you don't end up with the cheese on top, all black and crinkled, even though down inside might be beautiful and, and nice and cooked perfectly. So it monitors all of those things. But more importantly for you and I, James, it's got the ability to use those cameras to live stream our cooking. Because that's our next thing, obviously, is a live cooking show, (laughs) live streaming our Samsung oven. what's happening in your oven. (laughs) Can you think of anything more boring? I mean, (laughs) watching grass grow, sure, but watching... I mean, you see the cooking shows where they say, here's one I prepared earlier. I'm not sure that watching that cake in real time would be that exciting. Watching (laughs) a sped-up version, sure, I can understand that. But watching it in real time... Gee, it seems to be cooking. Wow. See, so many ovens have got a window in them. Well, and this is the thing. The old saying is, if you're looking, you're not cooking, because some people want to open mm. the oven up That's right. and have a look. Now, the window is getting better, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But having a camera inside gives you an even better view, because you're not looking through that well, window. Well, people will know that sometimes that window gets all fogged up, and you get the, um, the, the, the spats of whatever fat or whatever on it, and so it... it gets very murky after a while. Yeah. Surely that's going to happen with your camera as well. Well, apparently not. Apparently they've got the camera set up so mm. that it doesn't have all those problems so it can actually give you that live stream view. So Maybe you put it in there. just force you to clean your oven a little bit more. <laughs> or at least a little <laughs> camera lens. So you go out there, sit by the pool, pull out your phone, check on the phone to see how yeah, the cooking course. is looking. 
then be wherever. You can just duck downtown and do some shopping while you're waiting for it to cook so you, you can, can keep checking watching it. still be watching that lasagna. And I reckon you could probably turn off your oven if it got to the stage where you of course. duck downtown. And it was well, taking, if you couldn't, you'd have to get another model. That's right, exactly right. So if, you, if your coffee took too long downtown when you ducked down to get your coffee, <laughs> you could just go, oh, no, it's going to burn. If I leave it on now, I'll just turn it off, turn it get off. back home. May not be perfect by the time you get there. But, again, we seem to be getting more and more things connected. Remember the internet refrigerator? So when people say, oh, oh, sorry, I can't cook, you can go to them, that's a lie. That's right. Now, you don't have to. You leave technology. But remember, I think it was LG that came out with the internet refrigerator. It was yeah. something ridiculous. I looked yeah, at buying one. It was 25 grand or something ridiculous. Did you ridiculous. buy one, did you? No, I looked oh. at it and I went, okay, let me just see what I'm getting for my 25 grand. I'm getting an iPad on the door. Mm, not convinced that's <laughs> worth can, it. <laughs> go and buy yourself an iPad and, and some blue tack <laughs> And stick it on the door, that's right. <laughs> so I wasn't convinced about that. But we're getting better. Even Samsung, when they talk about this oven, they talk about some of the refrigerators as well, where they're internet connected. And then they got the stage where you could scan your barcodes and you take things in and out and get your shopping list and a whole range of things. So, oh, look, I'm not convinced about having the technology linked cooking items and refrigerator, but then again, I don't do a lot of cooking, James. Oh. <laughs> so maybe for someone that does, maybe they're going, finally, at last, this is what I've always wanted, my oven to be connected to me so I can check on it and get the advice. Yeah, actually, if you were a good cook, you probably wouldn't need the advice, would you? <laughs> maybe you still would, I'm not sure. So anyway, keep an eye out for this Well, one. for those people who are struggling because they keep burning their lasagna, you've, all your problems are solved. That's right. This is it. Keep an eye out for it. Samsung has got this whole range of new products out there ready to go. Super duper. are you at multitasking? Well, there's a new office desk, or should I say workstation, because it's, of course, it's 2023 after all, and it's from Acer. That'll have you getting the job done while you get fit and saving the planet all in one go. Talk about that for multitasking. Matt, it's clearly not enough just to meet your deadlines these days. No. Electricity generating bike desks are going to create some heated debate around the water cooler when the office gets fitted out. That's right. This is the desk for overachievers, I feel like, James. <laughs> now, let me just tell you a quick story. Many years ago... I I'm, just, a- I'm just picturing the whole office getting decked out with these bike desks. People coming into work going... What have you done? <laughs> That's <Matt>? right. <laughs> you want me to generate my own electricity? <laughs> so many years ago, I had a friend. I still have a friend, the same friend, but just the one. He, he convinced the one, but this one convinced me that it would be a good idea to ride a push bike across the Simpson Desert. It was a race. It was a crazy That's idea. Crazy. So I went. Great, I'm going to do this with you, but I needed to get a lot fitter than I was because this race involved about ten hours a day riding across sand dunes. So I actually set up a little recliner bike. And I got a little tray that was a bit like a hospital tray to sit my computer on so I could get up and spend a couple of hours riding my bike each morning, doing wow. some work while I was doing it. Dedication. And it was a problem because I would sweat and that sweat would drip <laughs> on my on my notepad, on my notebook. And so it was always a constant problem of how can I set this up so that I'm not going to destroy my notebook while I'm doing training. It was a pretty clumsy setup, but it, anyway, it got me there <laughs> and it got me across Simpson <laughs> Desert. But what I needed was this because this is Absolutely. all set up to do exactly that. You need to be that. conditioned to work at your office desk and when we say work we mean in every sense of the word that's right and this is this is cool i like it it actually looks like a quite a good bike when i had a look at the pictures and looked at it in operation it looked like quite a good exercise bike the work desk i still think i'd have the problem with sweating on it but the work desk looked like it was all set up ready to go and it set up to be able to move at the right sh- uh, angle and have your notebook there and basically everything you need what i did like about it was that you can then plug in it had a usb a and a couple of usb c ports on it and one of the questions that I often get asked is, 
why don't we have treadmills or and possibly exercise bikes that power our house? It's a bit like the question about solar panels on the roof of your car, mm. and the answer there is, of course, surface area. There's not enough surface area. Not quite the same answer for exercise bikes and treadmills. You just don't generate enough power. What Acer says with this particular model is that a reasonable cyclist, not we're talking Tour de France cyclist, he's just someone reasonable who does a bit for a bit of exercise, can generate maybe a consistent 75 watts. Now, if you break that down, if you want to power your house, forget about that. There's a light bulb there. There's a an, light an bulb An old-fashioned incandescent one. That's right. Well, I thought I'd break it down to see what it might charge in terms of devices. So if you get a Samsung, a modern Samsung phone or a modern iPhone, often the charges for those are 20 or 30 watt charges. Hmm. So, for example, if you're generating consistent 75 watts, presumably the bike itself, because it's got some little readouts on it, needs a little bit of power to run itself. So let's say we've got 60, 50 maybe watts left over. So you could probably have two devices plugged in, two phones, maybe a tablet or an iPad, for example, and a phone plugged in and charging them up. But that's about it. So you're not going to power your house, even if you get all your kids on it, all your family on it to just power enough. You're not even going to boil a jug of water, for example, (laughs) or, or have a cup of tea, but you could power your devices. And what I thought about then when I was looking at this device was there's a problem with childhood obesity. So kids sit down in front of the oh, TV or in, in front the of the classroom. IPad. In the classroom, imagine. You know where I'm going, don't you? you give <laughs> I do, kids, and you I'm give, liking it. <laughs> you give kids Are their... Are you listening Department of Education <laughs> heads? Right. You give them their computers or their iPads flat hmm. at the beginning of class. And you say, right here, kids, there you go. You've got some work to get finished, but your device is flat. So to get it going, get on your workstation, start pedaling away. You'll generate enough power to just keep it trickle charged, to keep it up and running. You're not going to put a lot of extra charge in, but during the next class, you're going to pedal away and be able to use your device. At the end of that, you might get another five minutes out of it, then it's flat again. Go to the next class and away you go. So <laughs> these kids are going to be pedaling away for their six hours I a day. I can see some holes in the plan. There are teachers among my fraternity that are thinking, yeah, you know, there's some holes in the plan where the kids will just tell you to get stuck. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they say, but I'm not doing work. There'll be some kids that'll go, right, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, and yeah. I'll get busy. And there'll be others who'll say, I couldn't, do, I couldn't do that assignment, sir, because I couldn't get my, <laughs> my bike pedaling fast enough. What we need is for the room to be on fire and there to be a whole lot of fans or maybe the water pump is charged by the, um, by the pedals. Maybe. Maybe that, yeah. yeah. So okay. anyway, I do like the idea because people do sit behind a desk all day and they're yeah, obviously right. a very sedentary, sedentary. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep, lifestyle. And so just getting to the stage where you're doing some exercise while you're doing some work, I'm not sure whether labour, whether unions will get involved, whether, whether there's some sort of, you know, uh, there'll be some issues there with people saying, sorry, you can't make me sit on that and do it. But for people who might volunteer, I like the idea. So <laughs> I'm just picturing the cast from the office and um, <laughs> them walking in <laughs> and seeing all these pedal desks set up and just the mutiny that ensues. <laughs> anyway, it's an interesting concept. I think you talk about people that stand at their desks now. You talk about people doing yeah. different things just to get away from that lifestyle where they're not doing very much at all. Spinning the pedals while you're working your way. Generating electricity sounds like a good plan to me. Maybe not a great plan, but a good plan at least. Folks, you may be familiar with hydrogels. Hydrogels have been around for a while now and they do a super job of soaking up moisture, much better than any other cloth or paper option. 
They're in nappies and women's hygiene products that make them so good at what they do. They tend to come in the form of tiny little beads that swell when they absorb water. Check out the thousands of cool YouTube videos about Orbeez, and that's a brand of, of these little uh, hydrogel uh, spheres. Uh, in their dry form, they're quite brittle, and they're not really suitable for domestic purposes. Matt, if only they could be pressed into a thin sheet, maybe we could replace the common kitchen paper towel. Well, there's some TV commercials that would like you to believe the kitchen towel is unbelievable absorbing liquids, but maybe it's not quite as good as some substance like a hydrogel. They do talk about hydrogel can absorb 100 times its weight in water, mm. which sounds quite incredible. Now... You're quite right, though, trying to use them over and over, trying to use them in some sort of format that's in a domestic situation doesn't really work because they do become quite brittle and they deteriorate quite quickly after they dry. So you use it once, that was fantastic. Look at that, I mopped up all that. And you go use it next time and it crumbles in your hand. But there are researchers at the University of Maryland that are getting to the point where they're using a form of hydrogel not to hold 100 times its weight in water, but to be three times better than paper towels. So not 100 times, but three Mm. times better than paper towel. And actually at the point where you can cut it like paper, so you can use it like paper towel. It's got all the same sort of properties as paper towel, but it's actually using hydrogel so it can absorb a lot more water. So again, when we think we're at the point where we've done everything we need to do, we've got paper towels, we spill a bit of water, we use that to mop it up, surely that's good enough. There are still people out there researching Better ways I to keep do keep telling the kids everything. in my classes that material science is where you've got to go to get the big dollars. You come up with something that we need uh, that we haven't had before and um, you're in the dollars. Well, that's right. And I think even better than things we need, things we don't know we need. Yeah, that's right. I thought paper towel was good enough. But mm. no, if they come up with this and this is on the shelves for me to go and buy one day, I'll go, paper towel, huh. I've got hydrogel over here. I'll go with the hydrogel product. I've got to mop up my swimming pool. <laughs> That's right. So I think you're right. The whole idea of material science, the whole idea of that advice, good advice given to your kids there, in terms of material science, there are so many different things that we can create, adapt, change, modify, come up with things that you don't know you need and then make them so they're a part of everyday life. That's the key. That is the key. Absolutely right. So this is an interesting one. It's uh, it's able to be used for blood, able to be used for water, able to be used for mopping up any liquids at all, and again, that property where it absorbs more, but getting to that stage where you can reuse it, that's the secret, I think, and that's where they're headed. Again, you can't buy this off the shelf yet, mm. but the research is happening, and it's give it a line. year, yeah, I think there'll be something like this out there. Exciting times. Matt, we've talked about toothbrush technology before, and we reminisced about the advancements in bristle technology and bent handles of 30 years ago. Several months months ago, we introduced the concept of the sonic toothbrush that does all your teeth at once. Well, the Y-brush is out now and on the market, and Matt, I gather you're very interested. I want one. Not that you've got terrible teeth. <laughs> Thank you. But I do want one, though, because time, two minutes. Who's got two minutes? Who's got two minutes? No. To brush their teeth properly. A friend of mine to told to me that his dentist said... We're out the door. <laughs> that's right. He said he was doing a bad job with his teeth, and so his dentist said, I'm going to give you a timer, probably sold him a timer, but here's a timer. It's a two-minute timer. 
And he said, I didn't realise how long two minutes was. It takes a long time to clean your teeth for two minutes. So he's trying to do that every day and using that. And I just think, who's got two minutes? That's a long time over a week. That's 14 minutes. That's so much foamy toothpaste in your mouth. So much spitting. That's half an hour a Mm. week if you did it twice a day. So the Y-brush promises 10 seconds. Now we're talking. They don't come with a timer because they figure most people can count to 10 slowly and that's it. And we've talked about them. And again, one of the things that we find on this particular podcast is we talk about things that are futuristic. So we might have talked about a, a Y toothbrush, a Y brush a year ago maybe. And mm. now you can finally buy one in the US. You can't get it here yet. I've gone searching for it. And you know those <laughs> annoying little sites that say put in your postcode or your zip code and you put in a four-digit zip code. it doesn't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And it says, sorry, this zip code does not compute because it's looking for a five-digit zip code in the US. So I couldn't actually get one delivered to me here in Australia. But hopefully, hopefully, it won't be too far away. You've just got to tap your um, American contacts on the shoulder and say, look, can you harbour a a Y brush (laughs) for me? (laughs) Well, I have done that before. My brother does live in America and I have done that before. I've had things sent to him for for him to repost onto me. So not sure if that's illegal or... I just admitted no, some great last year. It's a there. Y brush. <laughs> it's a Y brush, that's right. <laughs> so this is quite fascinating. Thirty-five thousand nylon bristles. Looks like a mouth guard. So you put it in your mouth, you've got all those bristles that go to work at the same time, and that's why it's quicker. Because with a good old fashioned toothbrush, how yesterday you go in and around one and one little thing just to get down. around to all those teeth. Whereas this does them all at the same time. It's so logical, it's so mm. sensible. Why hasn't someone thought of it before? Which is what we say about lots of great inventions. So only 80 bucks doesn't sound like it's too expensive. Mm. Electronic toothbrushes, I'm sure you pay 20 or 30 bucks for those. But for this, the amount of time it would save me, that'd be enough money I'd get back in weeks, wouldn't it? Surely. <laughs> so, so it sounds great. Go out there looking for it. If you're in the US, then go and purchase one. I think that sounds like a Why great idea. It makes your head vibrate while it does it because that would <laughs> be an interesting sensation. I don't know how hard you have to clamp down on it. I'm, gonna, I'm convinced I've got to get one and I'll tell you how it works. I'll tell you if it does vibrate your head, but I'm sure that it just sits there, you clamp on it like a mouth guard and away it goes and then... At the have you ever it, bitten down on a, an electric toothbrush? <laughs> and <laughs> I was trying to isolate and just to feel the vibrations. No, Do I'm, it, folks. It's fun. <laughs> it sounds like... news, folks. The Australian Bureau of Statistics shows us that incidents of heart attacks are dropping significantly over the past 20 years. The bad news, folks, is that coronary heart disease is still a leading cause of death. And in 2020, get this, it was the leading cause of death in Australia. And that was the year that COVID hit. So it stands to reason that a stitch in time saves nine and early warnings could be a life-saving and bring down the stats enormously. Matt, talk us through this new super convenient little blood pressure monitor that's by Valencell. So we have mentioned it before that checking things like your heart rate with a watch is quite incredible. It used mm. to always be something much more complicated to check a sphygmomanometer. Let me say that again: sphygmomanometer. That's for blood pressure. For blood pressure, right? Correct. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's the cuff, if you want. I was yeah, just going to yeah, call it a cuff, but <laughs> I like what you said much better. Uh, so we had. Uh, heart rates being checked with watches. They said you could never do that because you had to have a chest band or something that actually was much closer to picking up the electrical shocks from your heart. Of course. Then we've got things like basic ECGs out of our watch. Mm. So the watch is becoming quite incredible on what it can do. But blood pressure, when you put a... 
Sphig mammonometer. On your arm and then go through the process to check that. You can buy electronic ones and that's yeah. great. They'll blow up and reduce they're down. They're not too expensive, but they're a little bit cumbersome. Cumbersome, that's the thing, James. Who wants to go and muck around and slide that thing on your arm and sit People there and aren't wait? sure if they're doing it right. And, oh, it's yeah. just too complicated. So what we really need is a convenient way with a watch maybe, oh, not quite there yet, but some convenient way to check our blood pressure so that we can just check some of those vitals. And we said at the beginning of the show, this is not trying to replace a doctor, but it's just keeping an eye on some of our vitals to see how our health looks. Check your heart rate, sure, might be racing, that might give you some sort of warning. And I had a friend recently who actually did have a heart rate alert from his watch that oh, said wow. his heart rate was a bit high, just sitting there resting and went and got checked out. He actually had an allergic reaction to something. So it was a good wow. way. I don't think he's going to die from that, but gee, it was a good bit of comfort that he had. Yeah. So having blood pressure checked with something that you just stick in your finger into a finger clip sounds quite incredible. And that's exactly where Valancel is at at the moment. Again, same with the urination tool. This hasn't got FDA clearance yet, but obviously at the point where it's working, going through the process, trying to get the FDA clearance for it so that you could actually sit there and, I don't know, once a week, once a day, depends how often you want to do it, just stick your finger in. Keep on your desk at work or something by the bedside. Just something really easy. It might be good at work. So you're getting a really frustrating client, for example, and you feel your blood pressure going up. So you stick your finger in and go, yep, I'm right. My blood pressure's going up. I've got to do something else. And they're still here and I'm still cranky. That's right. But I think this is this is incredible. The things that we're now getting to the point where we're checking, things that we thought we could never check before, mm. but checking things like heart rate, ECG, blood pressure with little tools that we can either wear or have on us. And I did start to think about this one. Getting a finger clip to measure our blood pressure is a starting point. I just wonder how long before our watch will have this built in. Mm. I have no idea whether it's possible, but again, I remember having conversations with people who knew lots of stuff that said that we'd never be able to measure blood pressure or ECGs with our watch. So Mm. measuring it with something like this sounds like it might get there. But at this stage, finger clip, put it in there. Of course, it's got an app that links to your app, gives you blood pressure. I think the more important thing with this sort of thing as well as it gives you that historical view. So you might say, Sunday nights, I'm just going to stick my finger in there, wait for 20 seconds, who knows how long it takes, and get my blood pressure. And just over time, keep an eye on that, oh, my blood pressure's going up. I better get my cholesterol checked. Oh, my cholesterol's going up. I better take some action about that, whatever it might be. But I think getting that historical view and also being able to take that to your doctor and say, Mm. Here you go. I'm not sure how accurate it is. I'm not sure if the blood pressure is perfectly accurate, but I've got a trend here that seems like it's going up. That doesn't look good. What can you tell me about it? All those sort of things. But I just think this is fantastic to see that we're getting to that point where you can check your blood pressure by sticking your finger in a finger clip. And if, if it's not easy to do, people won't do it. Um, and so on the head, yeah. Go through a complicated process. Hmm. And, yeah, and, and those, those sphygmammonometers that you can use at home, the electronic ones, and they, they're not too expensive. You can buy them from the pharmacy. But to go through all the trouble of putting on the cuff and, and then, you know, working out what buttons to press or whatever, yeah. um, and then how to read it, yeah, it's just... It does, and it, it makes funny noises, and it blows mm. up and goes down, and oh, who wants to do all that? I've got more important things to do. So, yeah, these sort of things, fantastic. Matt, how do you tell if an avocado is good in the supermarket? I squeeze them all until I get the one that's just right. <laughs> We're I'm all sh- guilty of it. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, it wrecks I say that hopefully. <laughs> I say that hopefully because I'm expecting that everyone does it. Um, yeah, squeezing avocados, albeit super gently, to determine if they're just right. But the thing is, what is your version of gently? 
And is it a bit rougher than my version of Gently? Well, there's a bruise in the making right there anyway. And what if Freddie Bozo didn't even get the memo about being gentle? The more manhandling that avo gets, the less chance there is that any discerning hipster is going to bag it for tomorrow's brunch. Matt, if only there was a better, even more gentle than super gentle way of telling whether an avocado is just ripe enough to smash onto your sourdough toast. So when I get those avos that are bruised, that's you that's been there before me. Is that what you're saying to me? gentle. (laughs) <laughs> I am super gentle and I've got that oh, fine sense. I know exactly how to I always it. feel guilty if I squeeze a couple and think, oh, someone else is going to buy that. People are looking at me <laughs> while I squeeze this. Oh, you wrecked another avocado, mate. So one of the things that's quite incredible is how much food we waste. The, apparently about 40% of perishable food brought to market is discarded. Mm. That's a huge amount. That's we need some recipes for some dodgy bruised avocados <laughs> is what we right. need. Yeah. We've got banana cake for old brown bananas. Yes. So bruised avocados, that's right. If you've got them, send them in, folks. But that's, that's all perishable food, not just avocados. Yeah, 40% of all perishable food, that's a lot of people maybe we could save from starvation. Mm. But again, what happens? You go and squeeze it, squeeze it, bruise it, whatever. Oh, now it's too soft and then eventually no one wants to buy it and it gets thrown out. So... As we see with technology, this particular company has brought out a device that can blast an avocado with a little bit of red light and tell you how squishy it is. And the great part about <laughs> this that. is it gives you the squishiness. I'm not sure if there's a unit for squishiness, but it gives you... I'll the, make one up in a minute. <laughs> thank you. It gives you a unit for squishiness. So you might like 17 on the squishiness scale, and I might be a 15. So I stick my avocado in this device. It tells me how squishy it is, and then I can get one that's just the right level of squishiness for what I like. And if I think of bananas, for example, my dad loved brown bananas. I he used did? To, oh, they were disgusting. I used to hate them. Crazy he used to man. get them when he was. He would buy them brown. i go, no, Dad, buy them yellow, and you can have it in a few days' time. So <laughs> I like my bananas Back yellow. The green grocers would see him coming, he'd just bring out the box of brown bananas. <laughs> the ones that would have been They're discarded, some of those Dickerson. 40%. That's right. But for avocados, I'm sure that people are like them at different levels, and depends what you're doing with it as well. Mm. If you are smashing it on your sourdough or you're just putting a bit of toast or whatever you're doing with it, you might like it at different levels. But having some way of checking it now the minor problem here is this device is a little bit large to just carry into the supermarket with you so <laughs> <laughs> they might think you're carrying something a bit dangerous when you walk in the supermarket well, with this device worth Woolworths and Coles way uh, for them to just uh, have one there that's what the I'm hoping they have scales there you can weigh your products that you're about to buy yeah. having this device there it's actually not too large it's about say 10 centimeters tall mm. and an avocado just sits in the end of it so you basically put it in it gives you the squishiness level and then take it out so you could actually easily have it there put it in oh no that's a 12 no good oh 15 that's what i want i'll take that one thanks mm. so i think that sounds fantastic maybe the squishy unit could be a tickle me elmos or something i don't know <laughs> I'll keep working on it. Keep working on it next week. Jellyfish. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so this sounds quite incredible, but I actually think there's a huge amount of potential there for a whole range of products because this is focused on avocados and maybe for whatever reason this particular company decided that avocados were easier to work out the squishiness level via technology, but surely it applies to lots of things. Mangoes, I love my mangoes, but they've got to be just right. Mm. Bananas, we've already mentioned there. Peaches, I, I don't know if you can mm. get squishy, squishy peaches anymore. They all seem to be hard they now. Also, yeah, rock hard. Yeah, that's right. But so many different fruits you can have with different squishiness and mm. people want to buy them just at the right level. So surely this 
avocados today, lots of fruits tomorrow, who knows? But again, I like the idea when you walk into a supermarket and there are a or there are testing devices above the various There's fruits. There's an avocado just, meter. Yep, you stick it in there and check its squishiness and get the one you want. People would be happy with what they buy, less likely to throw it out, less food waste. It sounds fantastic. I think a whole range of benefits and makes it better for what I want to put on my, my sourdough as well. <laughs> Remember that name, kids? Well, maybe if you're 40. They haven't gone anywhere, and and they've been chipping away at the video game market all along, maybe not as prominently as when they first brought Sonic the Hedgehog to the fore. Promotion is everything in this industry, and so they're elbowing their way back into prominence with the announcement that they've got a new game on the way that's going to tune into the 2024 Paris Olympics. Matt... Is this going to be available in 16-bit Mega Drive format in one of those old cartridges? <laughs> well, let's go back a step. They they haven't really confirmed that they're producing a new game. They've just put the whisper out. Well, no, they haven't even done that. Oh, okay. Some people have picked up that Sega's been advertising for some new employees and they're asking for specific requirements. Oh, people who can throw a javelin. <laughs> <laughs> people who are good at pole vault. Well, the listing links to websites <laughs> for the Olympic Games Tokyo 2020, the official video game, for some examples of work they might be doing. And a whole range of little hints in there. People have put two and two together and gone, hmm, I think this is a new Olympics video game for the Paris <laughs> Olympics 2024. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense. So we don't talk about games a lot. Games almost needs, and I'm sure there are podcasts out there specifically for games. I do try and avoid games a little bit, only when something comes up that I think, yep, this is going to be big and a bit more mainstream than gamers out there. Well, there's new games coming out all the time, aren't they? That's if right. If you're into games, maybe there's another podcast for you. Well, but possibly. And I think one of the things is that unless you're having someone that talks about games, it's playing games all day, every day, mm. and I don't, so I figure I'd be a bit of an imposter talking about games too much. But I do like the idea that you've still got an official gaming company for the Olympics. So there are so many yeah. official providers, official car providers, official soft drink providers, whatever, for the Olympics, but you've still got official Olympics games providers, and Sega seems to be that. So it looks like Sega's probably tied that up for 2024. Keep an eye for it. If you want a game involving programming, then maybe there's a good game there for you or a good job there for you with Sega. And that'd be a pretty cool thing to work on, working on a new Olympics gaming video. And they are, they're good fun. The Olympics game videos, or video games, they're, they're good fun. So why not have that on your resume? So I wonder if you'll be able to play, like, you could be Australia or you could be England or the US or China or whatever, but you could also be Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> He kind of would be winning everything, though, surely. <laughs> that would be uh, a little oh, bit... Oh, he'd be good at some of the jumping and certainly the rolling games. But um... <laughs> That's right, if you've got to roll 100 metres. <laughs> <laughs> but he's pretty fast as well. So Only I think... when he's chasing rings. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But uh, I think it might be cheating a little bit. Anyway, keep an eye out for it. There'll be a new game for the Olympics, I'm sure. Sega supposedly is doing it. If you want a, a job there, go looking for it and just say that we sent you. <laughs> Now, EV range anxiety is still prominent in Australia, particularly when you talk to people in regional settings. EVs will never catch on here. Australia's just too spread out. Charge times are too long. They're fairly standard catch cries out here. But where this is, well, where there is a will, there is a way. And Kenyans are showing us just that. 
They'll show us Aussies up because they have a battery swapping scheme now for their electric motorcycles, and that just demonstrates how so many problems have solutions and everything else just sounds like an excuse. Matt, talk us through this African ingenuity. Kenya has more than one million motorcycles. Fantastic. Motorcycles, mm. great way to get around. So, fantastic. But they want to start the changeover to electric motorcycles. The problem is that batteries are expensive. Mm. And so to swap some of those people over, to get some of these million motorcycles swapped over, has been too expensive to this point in time. So what started is basically battery swapping stations. So you can now go out in Kenya and buy a motorcycle without a battery. So it's just a shell of a bike. It's a shell of a bike. Which is pretty cheap. That's I exactly right. Hope. So $2,200. Oh, there you go. So pretty inexpensive, Boom. but not much good without a battery. No. <laughs> so you buy an electric motorcycle and it goes nowhere because it's got no battery. But then you basically rent mm. the battery. So you call into one of these battery swapping stations that are popping up everywhere and you pay your small amount of money. You're talking about maybe $8 a day for your battery, you get that battery. And if you use that battery over three days, four days, a week, maybe a day, that's fine. You're just paying for the rental of that battery. So you can use it as many times as you like. So you can come back in and swap it out several times a day or once every three or four days. That model will probably change. But what they're trying to do is encourage people to get into these motorcycles, change over, a better way of transport, obviously much better from a pollution perspective, mm. more efficient in a whole range of ways, but it sounds like a fairly inexpensive way to do it. Come up with $2,200, maybe not everyone's got that, but that's a, a reasonable number, and then just pay your $8 a day, $9 a day, and you've got your batteries to just keep swapping over, and you've always got that charged battery, so you don't have to worry about charge it, you don't have to worry about finding somewhere to plug it in at night, how long am I going to have to wait for it to charge, you just ride it, oh, I'm getting flat, just call into a battery swapping station, and it's quick, and that's mm. the whole point of it. They're trying to make it so that you take away all those problems that people have with any type of electric vehicle. So you basically call in, swap the battery over, done very quickly. We're talking minutes here, and away you go again, and it sounds like a fantastic solution. So I, I like the idea. I like the fact that they're saying we're going to s attack this problem in a slightly different way, mm. but use the technology that's out there and start really attacking this. So companies out there at the moment, they've already got 50 of these test electric motorcycles on the road right now. They're planning, this one company's planning on having 1,000 on the road by the end of 2023, but this is one company. There are other companies who go, oh, I like that idea as well. Mm. Let's see what we can do. A thousand isn't a million, obviously, but this is the very start of this revolution, and I can see these bikes being changed over fairly quickly. Yeah, it's a snowball effect, I think, and it's um, just that level of ingenuity there um, to solve an excellent problem. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And this is the problem. You do see people who say, who cares about my one little motorbike and the pollution that's putting out, because I'm not going to change the world by changing my one motorbike. But one motorbike times a million, mm. that starts to be a fair bit of pollution. Changing all of those, one motorbike at a time, I think can make a huge difference there. So I think it sounds like a great idea. I like to see countries that maybe aren't the wealthiest nations in the world saying, you know what, we're still going to do our part for climate change and we think we've got a solution that will solve this problem as well in a different way. And that's exactly what's happening here. Fantastic. And on that note, we'd better wind it up or else 2023 will be over before we know it. Thanks for another cracking tech talk, Matt. Always my pleasure. I've missed the last couple of weeks, James. I've, <laughs> I've finally, we're back it's now. It's a long it. Christmas break, isn't it? It is. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm not sure why, but I have a real inkling to bust out the old Sega Mega Drive and see if I can still work some magic via my old mate Sonic the Hedgehog. Once again, it's been an absolute pleasure tech talking with Matthew Dickerson. I'm your host, James Eddy, pedalling away furiously at the desk to ensure that we've got enough electricity to bring you the show each week. We hope to catch you again next week. Don't forget to share the good word with your friends to join us for next week's podcast. Until then, have a...